Oh, good morning. And thank you, Musaf and team, for leading us in worship. And um, I think in a way that will really evoke a desire for us to know God and to hear Him and to worship Him together. And so thank you for the opportunity of being here. Do keep Pastor Charles in your prayers as he's away at this time with Carol. I think the girls as well. And just a family that needs much grace and healing in these days. And so do keep them in your prayers. I'm going to pause and pray once more, and then we'll look into the Scriptures this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great work on the cross. Thank you that you left your Spirit to guide us. Thank you that you've given us a book in which these things have been written down. And Lord, indeed, we just thank you for this occasion, particularly today. Guide us, Lord, we pray, and may the words of my mouth be true to your word but also inspired by your Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the reasons why I really quite enjoy doing the dishes at home, uh, well, the one I guess is that I can't cook, and so at least I feel I can do something in the kitchen. But the other reason is that our kitchen sink provides a wonderful vantage point looking out over our retirement center. And often when I'm walking the dishes, washing the dishes, a car comes by or somebody walks by and I greet them and it's, it's a pleasant uh, occasion or a, how can I say, a pleasant um, addition to a chore uh, in the home. There's one old lady particularly that often walks past our window on her way to our next door neighbor to go and visit her. And um, one day she stopped. I was washing the dishes and she stopped. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor, you know I've been thinking. So I said, okay, what, what, what have you been thinking about? She said, Pastor, I've been thinking that there are three kinds of professing Christians in the world and in the church today. So I said, yeah, what? what? What were you thinking? So she said, well, the one, the one uh, group is are those that fall away and, and don't just fade out, fizzle out. They profess faith, but it never comes to anything. She said, then there are others who are in the church, and they seem to, seem to be going on, but it's just the same old, same old all the time. And there's no growth and there's often falling into sin, and they come to church, and they're there, and that's it. And she said the third group is those Christians that are growing. And she said, I want to be like that. I want to be a Christian that's growing in my understanding of God, and growing in my obedience, and growing in my faith. And, and of course, so I, that set me thinking as well. So I started thinking too. Uh, and I came to this conclusion that a very true observation, I do believe that's an accurate observation of the church today and certainly of life today, but how should we understand this? And I believe the way in which we should understand it is that it's one thing to make a profession of faith and another to live out that faith in a real world. And I think that really brings us on to our topic today, 
Um, namely, facing the test. You see, uh, life tests the veracity and the, uh, and, and the tr- truthfulness of our profession of faith as we go into the world and take our faith with us and grow our faith in a real world. You see, we are all being tested and tried whether we like it or acknowledge it or not. Some have a crumbling faith, a profession, and never maybe a real faith and actually fade away completely. Others have a stagnating faith. No new lessons, no new victories, no new obedience, hanging on to the cross, singing the songs of grace, but not growing at all. And then there are those that grow. And like my little old lady, folks, that's what I want to be like. And maybe you're thinking, oh, you're such an old toppy that um, how can you ever grow anymore? I don't believe it. We are growing. And I think, I believe, if there are any senior guys here or those heading towards it, which actually means all of us, (laughs) in your latter years, the tests become even sharper to maintain your relationship with the Lord and walk in faith with Him. And so faith, that really, folks, is is the topic today uh, of facing the test. And I'm going to read a scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, I'm reading from verse 3 to verse 7. Peter starts off in this section to just proclaim the virtues and the blessings of salvation which we have received. And then he goes on to some implications of the testing of our faith in the salvation which God has provided. So read with me from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. This is the gospel, folks. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who... By God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wonderful provision described here of God's salvation. Starting with the work of Jesus, the mercy of God before the foundation of the world, coming right up to this point where He's keeping us by His power. Fantastic blessing. And then in verse 6, In this, this salvation, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, these first readers who received this letter from Peter, they were going through an awful tribulations and testing at that particular time. The letter was written around about 60 AD, a time uh, in the history of the world when Nero uh, was the uh, emperor of Rome. Now, if you know anything about history, the reign of, of Nero was characterized by fiery persecution of Christians. About AD 64 was the fire of Rome. Remember that story? 
and the Christians were being blamed for setting Rome on fire. Anything that the authorities could do to get at Christians, they would do in those days. And so Christians, many Christians scattered far and wide. Many were persecuted. Many were refugees. Many were facing great deprivations as a result of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for them, these words came as a tremendous encouragement. What's happening to you is, is not strange. In fact, James, who wrote in a, in, a, in a similar situation, he said, count it great joy when you fall into all these trials and tribulations. For us, of course, it will be different. The church as yet is not facing persecution. Sometimes we think it's coming, but we don't know. God is in control of those things. And so for us, our time of testing is very different. What I want to suggest to you this morning is that you think of your own life uh, in the context of testing and that you face the test, understand the test, embrace the test, and that you will be like that little old lady, uh, third category, a growing Christian during your time of testing. Oh my God forbid that there would be those who are the same old, same old, same old stuff every, every year. God forbid that there would be those who profess and then subsequently fade away. But I've got um, three aspects of testing that I'd like us to look at this morning over here from, the, from these verses that we read together. And the first really is the nature of testing. What is the nature of this testing? What, what does it mean to be tested? What is testing uh, in life? And firstly, um, uh, just to understand that testing is inevitable. I think there are many people who say, man, man, you know, I haven't got cancer, and I've got a job, and I'm doing okay in the world. Oh, those poor people who are facing trials and testings. Well, that's, that's quite wrong, because testing is an inevitable process in the life of every single Christian. Every single Christian, whether you're facing bad trials and tribulations or whether you are not. Paul reminds us of this um, in that great passage, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, where he says, there's no testing, or uh, the scriptures usually say there's no temptation, same word, there's no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man, but God will provide a way of escape. There's a word, it's common to man. Man, it's a common experience for every single one of us that we face uh, this testing. James, <laughs> in that verse I quoted just now, James 1 verse 2, he says, Count it all joy whenever you face tribulations, not if you face tribulations. So he's kind of taking it for granted. You will. You will face temptations. Count it joy. See behind it. Understand what testing is all about. Embrace it and grow through it. So the first thing is then about it is that it's um, inevitable. And, and, and if you're perhaps sitting out today thinking that you're not being tested, don't kid yourself. You, your faith, your profession in the Lord Jesus Christ is being tested in your world, in your context, in the situations which you face. The second thing about, I'd like to say about the nature of this testing is that testing is varied. 
Now, um, I, know, I believe there's, there's, there's Greek boffins here in the form of people like Hannah and others. And um, just to look at those words, have a look at verse 6 again. Verse 6 uh, uh, puts it this way, uh, and it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice. Oops, I'm the wrong one. I'm reading the wrong verse. There we go. Verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are being grieved by various trials. Just those two words, various trials. Tell us the fact that persecution, or rather that testing, uh, is varied. The little word over there for various, various trials, um, is the word poikilos, in case you're interested. Poikilos simply means multicolored or mottled. It has the implant. In other words, the trials which we face are mottled. They're the, they're the ones in full sunshine and, and, and lecker tests which we face, but they're the ones in the shade, the difficult ones. They're mottled. They're different. They're different for every person. They're different in every context. They're different because they're there in good times and in bad times. And so they are varied. Now, even the word for trial there or testing, pyrismos, is used in many different ways in, in the Scriptures. It's used to describe testing. It's used to describe a trial or difficulty. And it's used also to, 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 to describe temptation. A temptation. And so we have this wide variety of situations in the Bible that use that same word, pyrismos, used in different ways, demonstrating the fact that trials... Tests, temptations occur in this wide spectrum of kind of situations. Now, we are familiar with testing by trials, I think. We as a church at this time have had it bad, man. It's been a tough season for Central Baptist Church. The last two years, I think that, um, I don't know how some of you guys made it. We at least at Glenavon can kind of hide away over there. You guys have got to face the music week after week, go out to work, do stuff. Um, difficult, difficult time. Peter's readers were facing persecution. We face COVID-19. There are those among us who have died. There are those among us who have faced violent death in recent times. There's those who are unemployed. There are those who, who, who got sick on top of the COVID-19 our own dear, beloved Pastor Charles is, is, is struggling with, with sad, difficult sickness in his own family situation. And so we know all about that. But that little word, perismos, also describes good things. We are tested. And please, this sounds counterintuitive. We as believers are tested by the good things of life. Because through these good things, we attempted to rely on them and idolize them. And so that, that constitutes the testing of the easy things in life. Health, cash, a job, friends, loved ones, you name it. All the things, that happiness, a car. You see, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and He has given these things 
But our enemy, the devil, is a master at tempting us to rely upon them and to idolize them to the point that, oh, we don't really need the Lord, you know, I've really got things together in my life. Now, uh, just to substantiate this scripturally, we find, we find these ideas in James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is, a, is, an, is another example of a chapter written to people who are being tested. Um, and in fact, he uses those words. He said, um, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of testing. But he goes on in that chapter, and he describes a situation to illustrate the variety of testing experiences. He talks about a rich man. He talks about poor people, people who've got nothing, people who've got great riches. And he ends up by saying both of those situations are testing situations. Let's turn over to James chapter 1, a couple of pages back. Let me read what it says there in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. In other words, those who got nothing, the lowly brother, society-wise, cash-wise, whatever, let him boast in his exaltation. What exaltation? Well, he's a child of God, chosen before the foundation of the world. Let him boast and glory in that. It goes on. It says, but the rich one, let him boast in his humiliation, because like the flower of, flower of the grass, he'll pass away. In other words, rich people, don't focus on everything you've got. You're being tested by those things. Focus rather on the fact that you're a human being that's going to end your life one day, and it's going to fizzle out like the grass. That's what you should be thinking of. And live your life in the light of those very things. You see, the test of riches is being expounded over here. He goes on in James and he says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And he's using this pyrismos again, the pyrismos being tested under trial. He's just talked about rich people and poor people. Trials, testings. And so go and have a look at that chapter 1 of James because it illustrates fantastically. Folks, can we listen to this? This point of those who are endowed with many good things, possibly referring to many people in this congregation today. John Blanchard commenting on James, he says this way, the poor man, the poor suffering man is tempted to doubt God. The rich, self-sufficient man is tempted to desert and grow cold. Remember the old, my little old lady? Pastor, why are Christians fizzling out? People who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are fiddling, fizzling out. I was reminded greatly of this, um, this past week in my own life, and the Lord challenged me because I was mulling over my message. I'd pre pre prepared it before I went away. I went down to Beaufort West to help with a survey of bird life down there. And um, I was with two guys, far from, far from knowing or loving the Lord at all. And of course I was there 
doing something I really enjoyed is being in the bush and looking at birds. Um, I know there are a couple of others here in this congregation who've got this weird kind of turn to their lives as well, like Marno and Nigel and others who enjoy bird life. Anyway, I was down there and, and, and I was, it was like a duck in water. I was enjoying myself so much there. Four days in the bush. And then the Lord just reminded me as I was mulling over this message, Eric, this, this, you're being tested in this good situation which you landed. What about these guys around you here? You, God, I've put you with these people to test your faith, to grow your faith as an old guy of 77. And so we moved towards some, some witness, and I won't give you the details of that, but a challenge. And folks, a challenge to all of us this morning. I believe a specific challenge to the middle class to contemporary church, most of whom we are. Yeah, there are homeless people out there, and maybe some of you are sitting with jobs here and facing many trials. But for most of us, we face blessings. God, the giver of every good and perfect gift, is, is pouring stuff into our lives. And you know what? Everything He gives us is a test. How will you handle it? Will you keep it selfishly to yourself? Will you use it for the kingdom? Will you grow your reliance upon God um, through all of these things, testing variety of situations? But we must hasten on. The second point is, what is then the purpose of testing? Well, the purpose of testing is, is, certainly, is certainly not to trip us up. Um, as it says in James, he said, um, God doesn't tempt anybody. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. We get tempted when we get lured away by our own lusts and our own dependence on physical things. So it's not to trip us up. Rather, God has another purpose, a greater purpose. And in His sovereign providence, He knows exactly how much to give each of us so that we would grow in our faith and be tested. Our taste, testing is to grow our faith, to become steadfast again. Uh, uh, James particularly uses that word, that, uh, that we would be steadfast in our faith and grow through good and ill things in our lives to purify our faith as by gold. Peter uses that illustration there um, of, of, of the goldsmith heating the gold so that the, the, the debris and the, 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 the pollutions can, can, can be oxidized off. And I believe that when these goldsmiths heat gold like that to get rid of all the impurities, they look at it. And when it starts shining, and when they can see their own face reflected in the gold, then they know that the process of purification has happened. The Lord's doing that in your life this morning. And the Lord is doing that in, in my life. And so whatever our lot, we are called to reflect upon the testing of God. The fire of trials and, and sorrow, but folks, the fire of temptations, the fire of plenty, the fire of health, the fire of happiness, testing our faith. Oh, that we would be a people in these days that would grow strong in the face 
of the inevitable testing which we are facing in these days. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Paul says, examine yourselves. When last did you do that? Oh, well, you, you put your glasses on, you did your shave this morning, but when last did you look at your spiritual life deeply in the mirror of God's Word? Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Oh, he's speaking at some carnal Christians there. Jesus is in you. Examine yourself to see whether you're growing in Christ, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And then he says these words. I'm just amazed at them. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. Uh, he's saying, man, I'm busy examining my life too in the light of the tests uh, which I actually have. And so, folks, this morning, <clears throat> as we consider God's purpose and testing, He has a purpose in your life and in mine. Continue to face the test. Continue to strive to examine your life and the life of your own circumstances and move forward to the glory of God. So we've looked at the, the nature of testing, the purpose of testing. Then the last point this morning is just that there is help available in time of testing. Help in time of testing. Praise God for that. Thanks. We can take the next slide up there just to remind us. He is a very present help in time of trouble. That, that's, a, that's a promise. He is present with us in our situations. In trouble, in trials, in temptations, and every test that you or I would face for the strengthening so that we can grow. Remember my little old lady, folks. I want to be a growing Christian. No matter what stage of my life I'm in, whether I'm a lighty like these guys down here or, or whoever I am, whether I'm poor or whether I'm fairly well endowed with the things of life, I want to be growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the three, there are three actually um, provisions here, wonderful provisions from God. And the first one is His powerful protection. Have a look at our reading there, verse 5. And verse 5, You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Strong words, those. If you look into the original language, that word guarded is a, is a military term which means garrisoned around and surrounded and protected by the power of God. Isn't that wonderful? He protects and keeps His own. And we, through faith, it says, we are being guarded uh, by the power of God through faith. The source is God. The means to that source is ours. Our faith as we respond to Him. And that's why we need to strengthen our faith. That's why we need to be growing that in every new situation we face in life, we will be able to meet it through the power of our God. Can any of you remember Pastor Charles's message from last week? I think Kenneth will. I'm sure Kenneth will. <laughs> he preached on from Hebrews chapter uh, 11 verse 21. And his thrust was, 
through Jesus Christ. Sanctification through Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? He, he spoke about three ways in which Jesus Christ helps us in our struggles and in our testings. Through His mediation, through His intercession, and through His filtration of our circumstances and our responses to those, how He makes good for us as we strengthen our faith in Him and put our reliance upon God. So it's Jesus. But isn't it the Holy Spirit too? The Spirit of God in our hearts causing us to want to grow, causing us to desire to be closer to the Lord Jesus and to His Word. He's given us His Word, the guide uh, for our footsteps. And so God's powerful protection and undertaking for us is the first blessing. The second one is the multicolored grace of God. Have a look again at verse 6 over there. Remember I quoted it. Um, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you're being grieved by various trials. Now, the wonderful thing is Peter only uses that word poikilos twice in this epistle. Here, describing the various trials, but down in chapter 4 and verse 10, if you'd like to page over there, uh, he uses it to describe the various grace or the mottled grace of God. It's in the context of the gifts. And, and what he's saying there is God's grace comes from him directly, but it comes through his people as well. It's a varied grace, uh, a poikilos grace, ready, ready to meet our every need. Wonderful passage um, that, we, that we all love so much. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God's grace, God's throne for my specific need. Jesus experienced that need and was victorious. One last thing as we wind up our passage here this morning, and that is um, the, the third area of, of help. His powerful protection, His multicolored grace, and then His ultimate purpose there found in verse 7. His ultimate purpose which cannot change. Listen to these words. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And folks, if we feed our hearts and minds with these kind of divine outcomes, heavenly outcomes, where we get to share in the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ in that day when he'll make up his jewels. What a stimulus. What an encouragement. What a, a help to us in our time of need. Praise and glory and honor will go to him, not to us, but we get to share in it in a most amazing way. Paul speaks about crowns which we will receive and so does James. Paul spoke about the crown 
of, uh, of righteousness. James about the crown of life. And we, we all get these. These are, these are the rewards made of the gold of the purification of our sufferings, if you like to think of it that way. And of course, what will we do with those crowns when we get them? What will we do when we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your Lord? Well, Revelation says, we'll cast them at his feet. You see, because all glory does belong to him forever and ever. Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and by you all things exist. So as we wind up this message today, as I pray, I'm going to pray using the hymn, uh, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, the last verse of that I think we'll conclude this message on the testings. God is at work. He's creating us afresh. He's guarding us. We are being tested. Folk, oh, that we would be growing Christians in these days. Let's pray together. Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Lord, give us the determination to do the distance. Give us the determination to face the tests, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.